All right. Hello, everyone. Um, so I was asked to present on all about that Braille, ways to make Braille fun for early learners and reluctant readers. We're going to touch a little bit on both, but like I said, feel free to contact me. I have all of my contacts up there. I am actually um, a TVI in the school system and teach Braille all day long is my main job. <laughs> um, but then I also teach babies zero through three population for the Louisiana Center for the Blind, and I run our Louisiana NFB Bell program. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and go through some of these and present some of these um, ideas. The goal is ultimately, obviously, to ensure that Braille is fun and not something a child has to do, but rather something they want to do. Um, this has been my favorite quote for years. Um, and it says, there's a wonder in reading Braille that the sighted will never know to touch words and have them touch you back. And I just love that because I do, even though I predominantly read Braille with my eyes because I'm sighted, I actually love touching the Braille and kind of following along, especially like with my pre-K and kindergarten kids. Hopefully I'm teaching them real well and they're getting much faster than me actually. So then I have to resort to my eyes, but um, it is, it's just, it's an awesome concept. Um, <coughs> also, I did send this PowerPoint to Penny Duffy, so they'll probably get it up on the NOPVC website soon. Okay, so kind of like what we're saying, one of the biggest things about Braille being fun and not seeming like a have to kind of thing is that a child needs to be in an environment where Braille is considered beautiful, having that mindset. And families, and unfortunately, sometimes teachers um, tend to, or they have to be very cognizant not to think of Braille as different because it's not print. It's not necessarily slower. It's not more cumbersome. Um, and having role modeling of fluent Braille readers is one of the biggest factors of success. Um, so if you can immerse yourself with um, Braille reading role models, that would be great. Um, you can join your local NFB chapters, of course, connecting with the NOPVC. We also have future reflections, and then there's B newsletters and activities of the day, all available on the NFB website. And then, like I was saying, you have to, don't ever, like, one of the things I always caution my parents is, don't say, oh, this is too hard. And don't, not even if you're just saying it, not to the child, but obviously just in general, like kids hear everything. Um, so we definitely want that mindset of Braille being fun. Um, and it's important to kind of get a good relationship with your TBI or TBVI, um, because ultimately you want a teacher who's a lifelong learner, who's going to learn the things they need to help your child go further and further. And at home, you can immerse your household in Braille in a natural way and everyday ideas. Like, um, my husband is blind. We have our microwave labeled in Braille. We have our stove labeled in Braille. Activities we do sometimes have print and Braille. Um, many of you probably know, but another thing, a great way for Braille is to join the Bell Academy. And luckily this year, even though because of COVID, we haven't been able to see each other together, we actually have the Braille in-home edition and there's one more session left. So if you have a child that's um, ages four through 12, I encourage you to go sign them up for our last session. All right, so here's some ideas. Like, we want that Braille environment, so let's get Braille everywhere. At school, let's have bulletin boards and signage around the school actually and be in Braille. Funny note, <laughs> I had one student and we had everything, all the posters around the school in Braille. And it was such an awareness thing for her classmates too. Like, 
you know, all schools, they have this positive behavior thing. So the rules are posted in the halls. Well, we had Braille on those two. And one of the students was like, so-and-so come read these rules. Cause they could see that there was Braille on it. And the blind student was like, I don't want to read the rules. <laughs> so I think it's awesome to have Braille everywhere, but also have the, have the child decide, I don't need to read that, but it's still available for them. Um, also reward and progress bulletin boards in the classroom are really important. Um, it can be in the gen ed classroom where you add Braille to stuff, but then also if they get pulled for Braille instruction or other things to actually center it around them and include Braille. Um, all of the certificates and classroom areas um, would be great to have Braille. I know a lot of times, especially in elementary, they might do an activity or have to turn in their homework every day. Well, why not have Braille on that little box, like homework, you know? Um, kitchen and laundry appliances, personalized clothing and accessories, um, games, playing cards, and artwork. And then this, I thought I would just share with you a few different bulletin boards and stuff we talked about. So there's a picture on the screen and it says, let it snow. It's a winter themed board. There's let it snow is made out of like little styrofoam snowballs. There's a braille key and there's some different tactile elements um, up there. So the whole school is seeing this braille bulletin board and there's print and there's like codes that they have to crack using the braille key. Um, here's another one we've done. It's called let the good times roll, Mardi Gras themed board. And it says let the good times roll in sim braille, like using little sticker things, but there's real braille all on it throughout. <coughs> and every object has print braille label and different things. And then um, we have a few different Valentine's ones. This one's we love braille, Valentine themed board um, with different hearts to represent each of the braille letters. Um, and then little stickers to make it tactile and then a print sticker and some braille. Here's another Valentine theme board and it has a lot of Valentine's um, objects like roses and um, candy boxes that say love and all different things and words that are represented in both print and braille. Again, awareness for everyone, but also having braille throughout the school. In the fall, we did a fall into a good book board and there is a big tree in the center and it's made out of um, paper that's kind of been scrunched up to make it rough looking and it's holding a print braille book and there's leaves all around and i believe the words here were made out of little acorn um, toys then there's braille is beautiful um, a halloween themed board and it's got you know some pumpkins on it and different halloween objects like spiders and snakes and candy and webs and that kind of thing. Again, all print and braille on there. Um, another Halloween one we did was Batty About Braille, and it has all of the braille letters so that um, the kids can see it. And then they, they loved this. There's a witch actually riding on a cane toward the moon <laughs> on the board. Um, then we had one about plant the seeds of literacy. And again, most of these were used in a gen ed school. So they're doing bulletin boards, numerous bulletin boards every month. So if you can get them to incorporate some braille or, I mean, the student can actually even help make the boards. We have a back to school braille bulletin board. Um, and it had school supply items, basically, again, with labels and then with a code to crack the braille. And then catch a literacy board. That's another one where the butterflies have all the letters and different um, objects are on there. 
And then there was, there was an old lady that swallowed some leaves, a fall themed board. Um, and again, this is just to give you ideas, but some of these things like are just typical bulletin boards and we just took it and make it, made it tactile, added braille. And I think a number of teachers would actually do this kind of stuff if we just empower them with some ideas. Um, and I think we actually put a board on Pinterest to start putting some of this, hoping to get that awareness out there. Um, this bulletin board says without braille, inspirational board. And um, I believe we did this during a Bell Academy. And what we did was we just told them the phrase without braille and didn't give them any other information. And they finished the sentence all the way from students up to blind mentors. And it was interesting to see all the responses and then let them go read it. And then when their parents came in to see it, you know, and some people talked about without braille, they wouldn't have been as successful in school. Other kids talked about um, without braille, they couldn't write letters. It was, it was very cool. Um, this is more of the progress boards I was kind of talking about. Um, I did this for one of my students. I believe this was first grade year. Um, and this bulletin board is called Braille Race. And there's a little car or vehicle on the bottom left. And then there's a tactile um, racetrack that meanders all around the board. Um, and the wheels actually we put velcro on it so the student could actually manipulate the car and move it along the track as she got faster and faster and where you see the little popsicle sticks and like a little stop sign or a marker where that's usually like typically how many miles per hour kind of thing we did it words per minute so based on what her goal was as the year went on she would move her little car throughout the bulletin board along the track and she'd hit the certain words per minute and then she'd get the stuff that was around the track so you can see sometimes it was a pixie stick sometimes it was a little bracelet what have you but most importantly she was involved in the process it wasn't just like okay so your goal is to get to 75 words a minute just read 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 and do it you know it was a motivator <laughs> and i love making them interactive to where they can um work with it this was, an, I think this was her kindergarten year, this one student. So she loved Doc McStuffins. So we made a braille code progress board. Um, and on the board, there are bears that are sick. And they have things like cases of the dot, dot five shiver bumps, or, you know, different things that correlate to the code. And as she hit different parts of the code that we were mastering, she could move to that bear. And in the bottom right, we actually had a little doctor's bag and it had a stethoscope and band-aids and all different things. So when she would master something, she could doctor up her bear. And we did give her time at the end of class to fix that bear all up. And once it was fixed, she would actually put um, a band-aid on it just so she had achieved that part of the code. So she was super excited because she was little and it was like taking care of babies and she loved Doc McStuffins. So she was Doc McStuffins. Um, this is actually her exploring it. She was, that was the first time we had it in the room and she was figuring out what was her first thing that she was going to tackle. Um, this other one is a class rules board. And I think it's kind of cute. This student was called the princess of Braille because she was all into princesses and the rules are actually arranged um, like a braille cell. There were six rules in that classroom and they have print and braille and she was checking them out. Um, she's kind of blocking some of the stuff, but I think basically as she achieved different or as she followed along probably or did well in class, she was allowed to move 
up the tactile board to get to the crown at the end. So again, involving them rather than being like, you got to come to Braille. Um, then this next one is called catch a bug, spell in Braille. And especially when they're in younger grades, we want to be teaching them the contracted code, but they have to realize that about is not spelled AB, right? So we read about AB, but we're going to spell it A-B-O-U-T. So this board actually, um, I think they were working on their words each week and the contractions would be the contracted braille. And then you had spelling words where it was probably the uncontracted to, um, to match it up. And then obviously there's a bunch of different little bugs at the bottom. There's butterflies and bees and caterpillars and what have you. Um, this was a colleague's board. So I'm not sure if she actually took those little clips and moved along this little tactile trail or what she did. But basically as you move along the different levels, you get to the net where you're catching a bug. All right, so that was a bunch of bulletin board and progress board ideas. And I really hope that um, teachers, or even if you wanna do some at home, like you can use some of these to really motivate them. And again, if you can make it personalized, like with that one student who loved Doc McStuffins, you know, go ahead and do it. Okay, so here's some more, I called them Braille-tastic activities. So um, I have a list here, but then I have some pictures and some more details as we go along. But one idea is Braille monsters, and I'll talk more in a few minutes on it. Um, Braille play with manipulatives, especially when they're very young and we're not actually, or we're just starting to put our fingers on Braille, using egg cartons and swing cells, buckets and balls. There are tons of Braille songs out there, and a lot of them are based on what was popular music. <laughs> so they may love them because they know the songs, the original songs. You can do braille art and drawing, and of course, braille games. So here, this slide has a picture of two braille monsters. We've made tons and tons of them. Um, the one on the left is made out of a cereal box and it's blue and it's kind of soft and velvety. And he has hair all around him that is made out of a very colorful feather, feather boa and he's got googly eyes. And you will see he's got a big rectangle mouth and that's where the cards are gonna be fed. And then there's a little green guy on the right um, and he's got three googly eyes and different textures on each of his sides and a big rectangle mouth. And the idea here is that whatever braille you're working on, so it could be as simple as like braille alphabet when they're first starting, or it could be as complicated as one um, kindergarten teacher kindergarten student that I had, people thought we were crazy <laughs> because she was at the end of kindergarten working on her final letter contractions. So she was learning words like ventilation and all these words that were way over the vocabulary of a kindergartner, but we needed to use real life words to do it. Um, but basically her whole pre-K and kindergarten year, we used Braille Monsters. The one on the left was actually hers. She loved it. And basically she would read flashcards and do her little lessons so that she could feed that poor braille monster that didn't eat its breakfast or anything like that. Um, so, and it's even better if with the student, they can make their own braille monster because then they'll have buy-in something they've created too. And if you have a student who's like, I don't want a monster because that's scary, it could really be anything, braille creature, braille doll, whatever, whatever's gonna motivate them. I mean, if you have a boy who decides he's all into trucks, you can make a braille truck, doesn't matter, whatever motivates them. Because again, I mean, her not realizing it, we 
probably read just in playing with the creature each day, probably read words at least a hundred times uh, or at least a hundred words, you know, just going through it real fast. Cause again, we were just playing. She didn't think about it. Um, I see in the chat that people are asking about the PowerPoint. I did send it to Penny Duffy, so it should be available soon if it's not already up. Okay, then I wanted to share some different ideas with you. Some of these came from um, the Bell B activities that are online, not Bell B, NFB B activities, and then some are also things that we do in Bell. One of the first ones I talk about is balls in a bucket, and this would be like your play thing. You're not actually on Braille yet. Um, and this talks about arranging six buckets in the shape of a Braille cell, you know, three going down each column. Um, and basically, I think it started actually with a family playing it in a tub. So they had cups and they would fill the cups with water to stimulate, simulate, sorry, um, different letters, you know, so if it was I, dots two and four would be filled, that kind of thing. Um, you can also do balls in a bucket, like just playing, putting buckets out and like tossing balls, or you'd want to tap the bucket so they know where it is, or it could be that they go up to it and they just drop it in. So again, just fun playing, but again, promoting Braille. Um, also, we talked about drawing. So there is drawing with your Perkins or your Slayton stylus, because you could use either, just know your child and what, um, you know, what tool they're using. There is a drawing with your Perkins book, and I put that information on there, but right now, as far as I can tell, it is sold out, and they don't have um, a date of when it will be available again, but that is in the PowerPoint. Um, there's a print version and a Braille version, <laughs> um, and your print one, you get your print directions with all the Braille stuff, but you do get the Braille picture, and of course, in the Braille one, you get all the directions in Braille as well. Um, there is a Marie Porter book as well, and that one is available. I'll put that information there. And then Paths to Literacy actually has kind of a, a fairly good database with a bunch of drawings, and that link is in there as well. Um, and I will tell you from all the students I've had, you have kids that either love it or they're like, what are we doing this for? You know, <laughs> so again, knowing your, um, your child um, and what they enjoy, but many, many, many students that I've gotten later that are dual readers or, or they may be reluctant to interact with Braille and oh, I don't want to be with this Braille kind of thing. When they realize they can start drawing using Braille, it's amazing how much they enjoy it because they're making a picture, but also you get the kids who start literally making their own and figuring out different parts of the code to make what they want it to look like. And that's awesome because then they're driving the train and they're loving it. Um, so, but definitely the Pass to Literacy is available and then the Marie Porter is available as well. Okay, so some more Braille games. Um, you have two pictures here. The guy on the left is fishing for Braille. We did this at our Louisiana Bell program. We had a little wooden boat made, a little kid boat. And he has, I think it's just a piece of bamboo that we have string around and then we have a little magnet on it. And all of our cards have a paper clip at the top. So, he was fishing for Braille, and as he caught it, if he read it correctly, he got to keep those fish. If we needed more work on it, we'd throw it back and let it keep swimming. Again, doesn't realize we're, you know, having him just read Braille because he's having so much fun. The picture on the right is Braille Twister. This was also a belt picture. Um, we used poster board, 
um, like half size and we have different textures set up for each part of the braille cell and we would call out letters or signs or contractions and you'd have to make that on your twister board. <laughs> this little guy here looks like um, with it facing him, it looks like he might be making a U and he's got, or maybe he's making a V because it looks like he's got one hand on dot one, his head on dot two, and knee on dot three, and his other hand on dot six. So, but again, like they love this because they can get as crazy as they want with their body making the braille um, and they're playing, but again, they have to know their dot locations and that kind of thing. Okay, so the next thing we have is braille it, braille spell it in memory. Um, the picture on the left just shows Legos, the bigger ones, um, and the whole word is on the bottom part of the Lego, and it's a bigger one, so it says can, C-A-N, and then the top Legos have each letter, C-A-N, so it takes three of those Legos to build the word. So this definitely can be used in a gen ed classroom too because they have all kinds of centers with word work and all you have to do is slap some braille on there. Again, they're playing, they're building words, they're working with uncontracted versus contracted, that kind of thing. So again, fun times. And then on the right, we see a braille memory game. You see a deck of cards. You don't know what they say because it's in braille, <laughs> but the kids were matching them basically. Um, be it a letter or a number or what have you. Um, a lot of people actually, even though it may not be the deck of cards, they'll just put words on playing cards because they're already pretty sturdy. You can braille on them. Um, and again, if they're using their fingers, instead of trying to look at what it says, it's um, fully accessible. Okay, so the next game is bang. And if you haven't heard about Bang, you're kind of missing out <laughs> because this is definitely, Braille Monsters and Bang are two of the top things I would say that kids love when doing Braille. Um, and it can be brought down to a very low level beginning reader, or it can be made very difficult um, as well. So you basically need a stack of cards or you could do popsicle sticks. You're gonna use whatever the appropriate Braille is for your student at that time, letters, adult words, complicated words, sentences, what have you. Um, the goal is to read the cards as fast as you can and you get a point or you get to keep your card if you read it correctly. But as you're going through your stack, if you get the word bang, oh no, you lose all of your cards, okay? So a student can play this individually with you supervising and you just set like a timer, like they're gonna play it until the two minutes is up because um, they're basically trying to get as many as they can before that timer goes off, or they can play against each other. Um, and that's how that one student I was talking about with ventilation and all these crazy words, that's how she pretty much learned her entire code through play, was through bang. She loved it, loved it. Um, and if they're playing it individually and that timer goes off, and let's say they ended with only four words they finished that first time, then you let them set their own goal. Okay, I had four this time, next time I'm gonna try to get nine. You know, that way they're um, running the show, basically, and challenging themselves, rather than just, what do you want me to do now? Um, Braille Bingo is one we love to play at our Bell um, program. You can see the Braille Bingos, they were Clifford cards. I think it was some bingo from my own children that I just passed down. We took hot glue and made the grid so that the little place markers that came with the game would work. So the hot glue is kind of raised up to make the grid and then there's braille on 
all of the things and we'd call out letters and they were fine bingo. They loved it. Okay. This may have been the thing I was talking about earlier. So this is, oh, this is the bathtub or the water barrel. So this is where, again, you have the cups and the water and you're filling them to make different letters. The thing earlier was just a ball toss. Okay, this was one that was posted on the NFB Distance Education um, this summer, and it's about creating a chain of kindness. Um, so you're, the goal, and you can do this as a family, which is great. The goal is to ask the child to come up with things they would like to do for others, because that's another big thing that, you know, we want our children to think of others as well. Um, can write them and braille them out. The picture at the bottom actually is one from my household this summer. We, instead of doing a chain of kindness, we did a thankful chain. So on ours, we each day would write what we were thankful for and we'd braille it and the chain is actually hanging in the walls in our house. But if you do a chain of kindness, then they're coming up with a list of things um, and you make a strip basically and then they perform that task each day. Um, and then it does talk about it would make a great Mother's Day gift. So that would be really cool. Different things they could do for moms because no offense dads, but moms often are the workhorse and kind of get uh, not appreciated sometimes. <laughs> so, um, so another one that they had was create a braille message in a bottle. So this is kind of cool because they get to decorate their bottle and put a message in there, um, get to do some art stuff. And ideally, one of the things that I run into is Sometimes when I send my parents activities for their students to do, their child to do, rather, they might do this and let them do the braille, but then it's like they've decorated the bottle or they've asked the child, what do you want to put on it? And then they do it. The bulk of the learning is for them to do as well. Let them learn how to cut and glue and put textures on and experiment. I think as parents and students, we often get in so much of a, Oh, we only have so much time, but sometimes it's better to just step back and let them learn new skills because we're ultimately making them independent in the end. But they could do this for all kinds of things, teacher appreciation, letters to family members, friends, what have you. That's a cool way to do it. Um, Braille musical chairs. So even at home, you can arrange your chairs. Um, it talks about six dining chairs in the shape of a Braille cell. Um, and you can get people to switch seats or y'all can adapt it any kind of way you want and you put braille in the back and basically then they're using their cane and they're using some braille skills. Okay, so the next thing I talked about um, is singing out. So I'm sure everybody on this call knows that you may go into the kitchen and forget why you went into the kitchen, totally have no clue, but I bet you can probably sing all the song lyrics to certain songs from your childhood. <laughs> or later in life. Um, music just has these links in the brain that just inspire us and get us to learn so many things without even thinking about it. So one of the fun things to do is to practice reading using song lyrics. So put their song lyrics in Braille. You can start with some of their favorite songs, um, have them practice reading and you sing it along. Um, sometimes I've taken song lyrics then um, and taken some parts out and they finished it. You can all definitely, once they get really good with their favorite songs, because they're doing predictive reading then, they're just getting their speed faster and faster and it, have their fingers actually on it. Um, you can do new songs. You can have them write songs. Um, and then you could actually make a whole like song book, what have you. But 
music definitely inspires them. And then we talked about there's Braille music. They may want to write some, some kind of song about Braille or their cane or what have you set to the tune of one of their favorite songs. All right, another thing is getting to know your calendar. And I'm sure that a number of you know this, but the American Action Fund for Blind Children and adults will actually send you a free calendar in the mail, and I have the link there for that. Um, the cool thing about the calendar is they learn a lot spatially, how to read from left to right, which we typically do, but then also columns, how to locate a date, what have you. Um, a lot of times as adults, we learned calendars very young and we think, well, I'll just throw it in my iPhone now or, you know, make a little list or something. And a lot of our kids miss that calendar reading skill. Um, so it's definitely we would want to do something we would want to do. And then also in schools, a lot of times they have an agenda with a calendar and what have you. And you could actually um, maybe you might not want to use that little one, but you want to use a bigger calendar where they're actually marking stuff on their calendar. They could use a tactile symbol or what have you. But it's definitely a skill we do want to incorporate. Okay, so this slide is about card and board games. Let's play. I'm not going to go into a ton of these because I was at the thing with NOPBC last night and they did a great job talking about games, but it is in there. Um, I don't know about you, my, house, my household loves to play games. We're a big cards family especially. And there's a number of games, literally, throw some braille on them, and guess what? Your kid's reading and playing at the same time. So things like Uno, Go Fish, Five Crowns, Rummy, Memory, Face 10, Racco, Flipstick. I kept this kind of young. I didn't put poker and blackjack and stuff, because, you know, some people may be like, oh, that's a little bit of gambling. <laughs> but your family, your thing, definitely a cool way to incorporate braille in a relaxed and fun environment and have them feel that they don't need to rely on someone else. Some of the popular board games are Connect Four, Scrabble. There's a textured Jenga. I shared this last night when we were on the NOPBC thing. It's on Amazon and it's not textured. It's actually colored, but literally I was looking to see if it was in my office, but I don't think it is. Um, I just took a different texture for each color and made um, that accessible. And then the little die had the same texture. And instead of just pulling any stick, whatever you rolled on the dice is the type of stick you need to move to have your turn. So that's kind of cool because again, they're playing Django, but again, they're working on those textures. Um, Battleship, Twister, Monopoly, and so on. Okay, so this is kind of for, the next slide is called Amazing Mazes and Path. Should be Paths. Um, so these are some things that we made for our distance education to show this summer. There's six pictures here. The first one on the top left is um, made with a soft kind of velvety texture paper. And you can see it's like branches, literally, that you're gonna take your hands and follow. If they followed this top one, they'd start from left to right and go across. And they're gonna get to the end if they didn't feel that one branching off to the bottom. And they're not gonna have anywhere to go. <laughs> So then they have to troubleshoot and back up and start feeling down like, where's it going to go? So basically the idea is they follow the path until they get to the end. And here it's like a little sparkly leaf that they get to, but we're developing all those good hand skills. Um, and I literally used stuff that was at my house because we were, you know, quarantined. <laughs> so the next one has candy canes, which I don't know why we had candy canes at my house. I think it's because no one eats them and they just 
stayed around from Christmas because the grandparents keep buying them. Um, and But this one's kind of cool because they're actually moving um, up and down and what have you and again learning to follow a path. The next one's made out of pencils and we did kind of a zigzag movement which uh, will correlate to your Z movement for braille reading. Um, the fourth one is yarn that does many this one is more complicated. It looks kind of cool, but you might not realize how complicated it is, but it does a lot of twisty turnies and you have to decipher which piece of yarn is on the top to kind of know how to keep going. So that one is definitely a little more complicated. Then we had, oh, sorry guys. We had some cut up straws again with a crazy pathway. And then the last one on the bottom is one that I actually drew on my Perkins. And it's a maze. And what I did was literally, I just found a picture of a maze online and then just took out the Perkins and went, okay, how can I make this? And I figured for beginning, we'll use full cells because they're a lot, you know, there's a lot more under their finger there. And they literally have to work their hands through this maze, hopefully realizing that they go down the column left to right and they're finding the holes. If you hit a four cell and you don't have a hole, you can't keep going. So then you'll backtrack and move all the way around um, and at the end, once they get to it, I have like, you win with an exclamation point. Um, but that one is highly complicated, which is kind of awesome. And everything I just talked about is in this next slide about making paths and mazes. And then this next slide actually has the directions to make that bottom one. It tells you exactly how to do it out on your Perkins. Okay, so this next idea that we have is Braillegories, kind of like Scattergories. Um, what I do with my students is we, they pick a sign. Maybe we're working on the ER sign or the GH sign or what have you. Um, we pick a sign and then for every category, they have to try to come up with a word that incorporates that sign. So like say we were using the IN sign. Well, for color, they could use pink, that kind of thing. And it gets complicated. Hopefully they're, they're playing against a classmate, but they could also be playing against themselves or what have you. And the goal is to get as many points as possible. But of course, if whoever you're playing with has the same word, then you can't get that point. So, but you could use that for a lot of the code, obviously. Um, the next one, we jokingly call them bellagrams because we put them with our bell um, curriculum. But you know this, it's anagrams. So you do how many words can you make from this word or words? And then I gave you examples, you know, for your student you might want to use their school name or a favorite animal, a holiday, restaurant names, really anything. You're just giving them, you know, like a lot of times you might see happy holidays and they have to come up with as many words as possible from that. So that's fun. Um, on this slide, I put four links to different Braille songs. Um, there's many more. There's a few. They love to sing and dance and practice their cane skills. Um, here's some tips for school and like reading. Some of them will be for younger kids. Some will be for older kids. Um, one of the things I love to do when I'm teaching is put a joke or a riddle or something fun before we just have to like start reading stuff. Or I'm going to find stuff that interests them. I had one student that like loved horses. So a lot of that year I made a lot of stuff and found a lot of books about horses because again she was motivated to read that. Um, for younger students you might want to keep a favorite toy on a desk while they're working on braille. Um, I think the braille reading palace calls it a braille buddy or something. Um, then 
Of course, you wanna use student-driven activities for Braille. Reading and writing music lyrics are usually good. Um, when I taught at a state school, we did a poetry jam. So again, things that interest them and things that are a little bit different. I have one student right now that, um, because we've been out of school, we've done some reading virtually, but not as much as she gets when she's immersed in it at school. So we've been doing a bunch of animal poems and she wants to read, you know, um, which is all I care about. <laughs> so um, also one of the things I wanna caution you about is, especially when you have a dual learner, they feel often that it's braille or print and they can't intermingle and that's so wrong <laughs> and especially if you if you have a kid that has vision and they're very into their books with pictures just because they're reading braille doesn't mean they can't see pictures and they can't have those illustrations um don't ever say no you can't do that <laughs> kind of thing so find a way to um still let them have the illustrations but let's use our fingers and read the braille for the words that kind of thing um and of course we talked about drawing with your perkins earlier um so in school settings and stuff especially like if games have print at some point if your student is reluctant to actually be reading with their fingers you may want to find a way to remove the print not necessarily the pictures but if you find that they're straining and hurting themselves more because they're trying to see the print um, it's also good to incorporate those games where it's just braille, like bang and what have you. So they, they get that confidence to know like, I'm, I don't really need to rely on that print. Um, of course, we're gonna use motivators. It could be parents or students, whatever um, you think works for them. I have, I have one, I call him my little buddy. I have one little guy who will do whatever I ask. And as long as I tell him we're doing you have a choice of this, this, and this. And at the end, we'll listen to, and he picks his favorite song, or he gets two minutes to play with a certain toy or what have you. So motivating is um, very good, and you want them to drive that motivation. Um, positive reinforcement is always great. They earn tokens or points or what have you. Um, I don't tend to use negative consequences for not doing work. But if you have to in school, you should follow what the school is doing. Like what would happen if they were sitting in such and such class and when they come to you to Braille, when they come to you for Braille and they won't do whatever, what would happen if they were in their gen ed class kind of thing? But I usually try to have so many fun activities to where they're, they're keeping busy. Or I usually try to have three to five activities that are gonna bring me to the same result. So it may not, it may be that I wanted them to read first and they chose to write first, but that whole lesson is based on what our goal was. So, you know, they're picking it and they're doing it. They're more motivated to do it, but I'm prepared to be flexible in the activity we do to choose that goal, to meet that goal rather. Um, so uh, speed reading contests are always fun, like especially if they're trying to beat themselves, timing themselves and getting a little bit faster each time. Tandem reading, having students braille sentences or messages and assignments to each other is always great. Um, the NFB does have a Slate PALS program that you can sign up. I want to really 
emphasize this slide here, which is called blind mentors. If you can find <laughs> blind mentors, especially around you in your school system, that kids can hook up with each other, that is absolutely phenomenal. It is one of the best motivators for our little guys. Uh, this picture here has um, an older student and a younger student. They're both standing by the Freedom Bell here at LCB um, with their decorated canes and they both have matching pink shirts that say pretty in pink. And this little one here is like, oh, when I'm grow up, I'm gonna be like such and such. Like it's just everything the older student does, every success that older student does, she just loves and it just makes her work harder and harder. So if they have someone older to look up with, um, even work with Braylon, do different activities, that is fabulous. Y'all may not all have that opportunity, but obviously connecting, um, now we're all in a virtual world. <laughs> so even if your student isn't close, maybe making some connections that they can meet on Zoom or what have you. And hopefully next year we'll all be together again. Um, a few more things. So this student can also, the best thing, I've had a few students do this before, and they ask like, Miss G, can I tell my student, tell my friends about Braille? And I'm like, absolutely. Um, and often if the teacher is willing, and they always are, and the student is willing at the beginning of the year, we may do like an intro to Braille and Kane, just so there's awareness there. Um, and I've had students before that, usually I give the sighted students like a little um, Braille alphabet card. And I've had students before say, well, can I Braille their names on it? Because we always put the other students' names at the top. And I'm like, absolutely. Um, another thing, it's not on this slide, but we've done Braille Valentines and that kind of things. Um, for their friends. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, lastly, I have had students before that are Braille learners and they um, have actually helped tutor sighted students that were struggling to read because they were so well in their code um, or they knew the thing and they'd be like, oh, well, that's such and such word and it's like this and they would help each other. So I think empowering our blind students also and even if they're using Braille and their peers are using print, same thing. <laughs> so um, as a teacher, you also wanna interview your students um, to see what their interests are so that you can um, do things that fit them. Um, allow them to make choices, we've touched on that some, um, of activities. Um, sometimes with your older students, it's kind of cool to choose a book that's been made into a movie. And when the student finishes the book, you might go see the movie together. You can do a comparison thing. I've also had students do it the opposite way, <laughs> like where they've watched a movie and I'm like, ooh, maybe we should read that book and see if they match that kind of thing. Um, so that's an idea. They also talk about reading a few chapters of a book to get them hooked and let them finish. Um, community service projects are really cool for Braille. A number of communities do not have Braille in their community and it's kind of cool to ask the student like, hey, where would you wish there was Braille? And it could be a restaurant with a menu and maybe you turn that into an activity in Braille class where they're making a menu or going Braille. Um, I think one restaurant called one time and said, could you come Braille this Coke machine or something? <laughs> you know, so involving them in community Braille projects is awesome. Um, and I think one of the things that I run into with some students and some parents is like, oh, they came home with a Braille book, but I didn't have a print book. 
once they know the code and they can read or even when they're still learning the code if they spell to you it's okay like i just tell them like if you don't know that word spell it out because most of us can know that word even once we hear that so just emphasizing to your students and empowering your own children to be like hey you could do this too by yourself um and then i have some resources okay i feel like i did a lot of talking so anyone have questions or things you want to discuss I wasn't able to follow the chat as much, so I don't know, um, Nick, if you saw something or if y'all handled it. Most questions were just about getting a copy of the PowerPoint. Okay. Uh, we do have one raised hand. Uh, it's been up for a while. I don't know if it was a question or not. Uh, someone with the last four digits, 1596, you're unmuted. Hi, this is Michael. I just, want, I just wanted to see how you, uh, I wanted to make a comment about Whenever we were, whenever I was a kid, a couple times, you know, as you were talking about being a role model for even younger students, when I was about 10 and 11, I think I did this a couple times. Actually, I was actually able to read to some kindergartners. I took a, I think it was like a twin vision book or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, it had, it had the print and the braille on it. And there was also little drawings of whatever, there was little tactile drawings in the book and I, and I would show the, the students what the drawings were. Oh, that's fabulous. Yes, I know often um, schools, especially in blind, where, Blindness Awareness Month in October, <laughs> often will ask for people to come in to read, but that's great. Yeah, having students actually do some of that. I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. And you mentioned earlier about, you know, a lot of these games and stuff. I don't think we even had a lot of those games when I was growing up. Oh really? Early nineties. I don't think so. Of course, at least I wasn't aware of them. A lot of these things when I was when I was because I started learning braille when I was about five. Yeah. And uh, we didn't have a lot of this stuff. At least back to like in the nineties. I don't even know if they had them or I just wasn't aware of them. I hear you. Well, I think I think so. that's one of the things we're trying to um, share with everyone is that a lot of times people think when you are learning braille it's just sit down and read <laughs> you know and it's like no 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 there's so many more things you can do and the other thing i wanted to mention is that um you can literally get on teachers pay teachers or pinterest and different things and we often think it has to be a specialized braille activity and it doesn't a lot of times a lot of the centers and things that teachers are using for print it's very little adaptation to add braille and then the child is everything in their classroom is accessible as well. So, Je uh, Crystal, it looks like we're running out of time. Can I put your contact information in the chat so if people have additional questions, they can reach out to you? Yes, that would be great. Thank you. What is your contact information? Oh, <laughs> um, email is kgillery at louisianacenter.org. Got it. And then my cell phone, which I said texting is better typically, is 318-245-8955. Okay, I've shared that. And then I think, unless, Carla, do you have anything to add? No, that was wonderful, thank you. 
All right. Well, thank you, everyone, and feel free to contact me. Thank you so much, Crystal. Thanks.